Hello, everybody. This is Design and Wine.、Uh, hello. Today we are going to talk about working nine to five and all things Dolly Parton.、Uh, just kidding. We're going to talk about working hours. I have a feeling this is one is going to be very tough for me to talk about because of my addiction to work. But I'm going to give it my best shot, and I'm ready to do it. All right. Well, first question: Do you actually clock off when you close your laptop? In short, absolutely not. In、uh, more words, because this is an audio format. Yes, I do now. Now is probably a really important word. Historically, I have been the person to want to optimize every minute, and that's mostly from a position of not feeling like I'm good enough as as a designer. Historically, I'm now not a working as a designer, but that's a different story. And I've I've felt that. Because I couldn't contribute an effective visual design excellence portfolio, case study, host of work, whatever, that I had to do other things, and that meant working outside of work on side projects,、uh, which is something we talk about in a different episode. So historically, the answer would have been no. My laptop would be open twenty hours a day. That's an exaggeration, but a lot, and. I would just be okay with that. I do lots of freelance work in the evenings or in the mornings, and I would bleed every hour. <clears throat> Now it's better. I do. So I, I work nine till six actually, <laughs> and I will close my laptop as soon as either the last meeting is done in the day at six o'clock or a little bit later sometimes because of time zones. But I will not look at my work Slack as much as possible. Unless it's an emergency, there's something else we can talk about probably. So yeah, I do now. What made you change? I think I reached a level of comfort in my ability to be somebody who has a job, which meant that I was confident that closing my laptop. Didn't mean I was going to get fired, <laughs> and that would come also from the the security around me in the job that I have, and the culture of other people doing it, which made it okay for me to. I think that I've always because I've mostly worked in smaller startup companies where people are really grinding and telling you that they're working at the weekend or that they were on a seven a.m. call or that they were working on the flight to. A meeting or something like that, that it gave you the impression you had to do that too. Now people would probably slap my wrist if I told them that I was working on the weekend. Yes,、um, I think that's something that is increasingly changing, especially in like larger corporations.、Uh, thankfully, like this is not the nineties anymore,、um, and people do lead by example.、Um, I think that. There's a lot of design leaders or like engineering leaders that make it a thing to like really go on vacation, like close their laptops, not to respond outside of their working hours, even though like you know they do work outside of their working hours because、mm-hmm. I think everyone can feel the responsibility、um, that it is. 
I wasn't saying inflicted, but maybe that's like a too strong a word, but it is our jobs do make us feel often that we have the biggest responsibility that we're doing something so, so important that it can't wait until tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And that is hardly ever the case, especially with the kind of work that we do. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad that that's slowly changing. Um, what about you? Did you, in your previous job, jobs, did you close the laptop or shut the computer down basically? And that was the end of the day? Nope. And that is why one of the main reasons why I quit uh, okay. in February last year, because um, especially during the, the lockdown, I didn't feel like I had anything better to do. I was going through like a tough moment personally. So work was kind of like my outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I was working maybe the most exciting project of my life and with a lot of exposure, a lot of learning, a lot of what felt like a lot of responsibility. Um, it was gonna be something like that was gonna be timed and launched publicly. It was something that had, had been expected from GitHub to launch for a very long time. So I felt like I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. So I was working my shift and then other time zones uh, also so that I could respond and assist. Uh, And I did that willingly. Uh, My my managers did like message me often and be like, I see that you're responding at this time. Like, make sure you, you don't overwork, but it doesn't matter what they tell you. Like you still, if you have that sense of responsibility and that kind of obsession with the work, it's hard to think about anything else. Um, And I think once that project was done and this was a project that I was rewarded for and I was promoted after, I had a crisis and I felt like I couldn't keep up with the like precedent that I had set. And that kind of was how I burnt out. Yeah, I think you're telling a very relatable story that people can feel. It's the the really strange expectation from a lot of companies that you have to do the job of the one you went, you want to get promoted to, which means you do over the 100% of your specification. And then you clearly would be driving into a wall and think, oh, why am I now sick? Oh, because that because of that reason. Do you do you think that you ended up doing that because you didn't feel like you could say no? Um, I think that the other than the fact that we were in lockdown, um, I think I did a lot of things wrong, and I I did a lot of things for the first time in that project. Um, so I didn't really optimize for better communication. I didn't really document as much as I could. There was so much that I could have done throughout the process and that I probably with more experience, I would do better today to unlock people, for people to be able to use the work that I'm doing without me having to like explain or assist or even like providing a handover like I had to provide a massive like handover file with like a lot of very like detailed explanations on how things should be implemented um I think there a lot of mistakes were made on my side uh that made it impossible for me to say no 
because if I went to sleep, then the people who were in the middle of the workday couldn't continue their work. Hmm. So some some sort of control issue somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That. Yeah. Speaking of the the sort of time zones and the control and the clothes on the laptop and something that is very different now and very easy to do is that we have our phones connected to work things, which means that when you're sitting on the couch and you get a Slack message that feels urgent, you can reply to it instantly. That's still working outside of your hours, but you can do it very easily. And it's almost too easy to do that. Mm-hmm. A couple of my colleagues have removed Slack from their phones. I'm guessing because the temptation was too much. But then my perspective is, well, what if I need to know something? Or this sort of thing that is a potential could happen. But it hasn't and it wouldn't and it's not an emergency. How do how do you sort of convince yourself to <laughs> not be connected all the time but still feel like you're doing good work? It's really difficult with time zones, you know? I think that's the the conclusion that I've gotten to is that I get a lot of a lot out of working for global companies. Um, I have a hard time imagining uh, working for a fully Spanish company or like fully like Europe based company um, just because of experience. Um, but it is impossible to disconnect completely when you know that there are people who are working at a different time than you are, right? And there's always a little like we always talk about going the extra mile. Mm. And I think sometimes we think that going the extra mile is going the extra minute. And then each mm-hmm. minute, it's one more minute. And then it's one more hour. And then it's like three more hours. Um, so I think we need to find ways to excel without overworking and without giving others a bad example of what they should be doing with their time. There's also the other aspect of people working longer because they don't think they can achieve everything they need to do in the day itself, which is where operation and operations comes in to, to play in mm-hmm. project management. Something that I've always found really difficult is that ticket based management of my own work, because it feels kind of wasteful that you're managing yourself in certain aspects. But protecting that time is really important. Have you ever found any ways to protect your time in a better way to make sure you can really deliver the work? Yeah, yeah. I I found ways to protect my time from others and from myself also. Um, I I used to like having a very like thorough schedule every day of what I was going to do, like I would block some time, some hours off for um, focus time. And then like, I would make a few slots for people to book me like uh, on meetings. Um, But then what would happen is that I would accept any meeting that was overlapping with the things that I had planned on, on doing. So in the end, it was like accepting a lot of work from outside, like, like around communication and an organization 
and that was eating into my focus time but then I would have to find that focus time elsewhere um so I put most of my efforts into saying no and um trying to find solutions to how to think how to do things a as asynchronously as possible so basically like documenting and sharing um which is something we say a lot like you have to share as early and early and often and i know as designers it's a little bit difficult because you always have this period in which you don't feel like you can share because there's not enough context or nothing's like fully finished and like you have that anxiety um so i think that's the best way to protect your time is by like opening up about all you're doing as often as possible uh, and try to trying to overcome that fear of of sharing and, and of early feedback um which includes also like working on your own ego i had to do that right because you're always going to get feedback from people who don't have the full context and you're going to have to uh, politely explain like how things work and and what the plans are this sounds like a the mindset of a senior designer who has the confidence and the experience to be able to put that into practice. I can imagine somebody who is not that experienced being frightened by the idea of saying no to somebody. So how would we, how would we get around that? I, I'm I'm just thinking around team rituals and team approaches to things and proposing ideas and how you can do it collectively rather than individually. Mm-hmm. Something that I've had in my calendar for the past few years is a lunch block. And it means I'm not there. Uh, I probably will still get the notifications and probably glance at them, but I'm not going to reply to something because it's important to eat your lunch and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Similarly, I will have the first 30 minutes of every day blocked and I call it catch up or reading or something like that and because I'm also on time zones it will be reading yesterday's information from the US but I find that it's important for me to do the job effectively so it, there's I think there's probably a balance here just on the sort of advice perspective of making sure you block time effectively for things you have to do like eat your lunch and go for a walk and then as a team try and work out how you can build these rituals together. Maybe everybody at 11 to 12 on a Wednesday is doing focus time. And that means that there's less risk of distraction because you're all focusing on something. Maybe two to three on Thursdays is design crit time when everybody is available to talk about something. And that's where that distraction increases, but you're doing it together. Yeah. Yeah, and I would also add that uh, forming like alliances or like good relationships with your managers and project managers um, that like if you're, especially if you're more junior and you don't feel like you are in a position to say no, have them say no for you, right? Like they have the full scope. They are in charge of making sure you deliver your work with focus and with you know, in a comfortable as possible way. So if you're not sure that you can accept that meeting or that you should like 
you don't feel like you should be in that meeting, you think that your time would be best employed in something else, talk to your manager and be like, look, um, I need you to like back me up on this because I, I could really use the time to do this other thing. Yeah, that would naturally be more comfortable, I think, if you have been given a specific thing to do. Mm-hmm. You can say, I don't think that I'm going to be able to finish this because the other, this other person in another department keeps bothering me about something else. Can you please help me resolve that? That's actually your manager's job to do that. Yeah. So having confidence to, to bring it up in your one-to-ones. If you're not having one-to-ones, try to introduce them. And saying, I don't think I can do my job effectively because the time is being taken elsewhere. That is a yeah. big problem potentially for the company. So it's in their interest to fix it. Yeah, and it's and it's hard. At, like when you're junior, like when you're first starting, it's it's much easier to do a little bit more, right? Like to say yes to this, yes, uh, yes to everything. Uh, but it is counterintuitive because you're actually going against what you're supposed to be doing, right? By saying yes to everything, you are deprioritizing your priorities. And that's what you're trying to learn, right? How to prioritize. Um, so I think it, there's, like you said, it's a, it's a manager's job to keep that in check and to lead by example. Yeah, but we've all had managers that don't and who will definitely be working extra hours yeah, I was voluntold for a Saturday once nice. by my manager to do a project that was, I was doing a side project for one of the C-levels of that company. That was amazing. I'm sure you're going to take that brilliant experience forward with you. Yeah. <laughs> so this this episode is about nine to five and mm-hmm. something that we've noticed is that the traditional nine to five is starting to get not necessarily a bad rap, but people are looking to change it or shift it or work slightly differently. Why, why do you think this change is happening? Um, so speaking uh, from a Spanish perspective, uh, in, the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, generation, like our parents' parents' generation was much about like, I don't like my job, I just need to be, you just go there from nine to five and then like just get out of there and then you go out for drinks and then you talk smack about your bosses and that kind of just like you work um, for uh, for a living. Um, and I think what happened in our generation is that we kind of wanted to break from that idea of like, we don't like our jobs and it's been used against us. Uh, people be like, Oh, if you don't like this, like crazy, like long hours and like the, like so much involvement, go get a nine to five and like, just go do your job and then finish. And it's been used against us. So I think that's probably one of the places where it comes from. There is a growing movement as well of glorified remote working philosophy. The reality, unfortunately, is that most companies are not remote friendly and there's a tiny, tiny proportion of companies that allow you to work remotely fully mm-hmm. for many reasons. Mostly it's probably tax and business reasons, but there's lots of them. And then there's the, at least there was a couple of years ago, the digital nomad 
culture, I guess I can call it. Uh, yeah. People working from tropical islands and having a seemingly a great time. And that has been sold to all of us. So when we're sitting at home in our cold apartments, staring at a wall, we're thinking, <laughs> I should be on a beach with my laptop, working whenever I want. But the reality is that's very difficult to scale. Yes. And difficult to collaborate with we just spoke about time zones being very difficult and that's from us being in a fixed position if we were constantly changing the company needs to do a lot to set you up for success at that point and invest a lot of time in asynchronous communication and collaboration rituals and all these things which they just can't do yet i think there will be a point in the future where this becomes better and more accessible but we're mm -hmm. still it's very important that to Remember that we're still in a very early age of internet-based work and the managers and CEOs and chief executives of these companies we work for are probably still straddling that older generation of management style. And until there's a change over time, naturally, we don't need to force this, it's, we're probably going to have to be okay with a nine-to-five. Yeah. And I think there's a lot from the idea of a nine to five that we can use to our, our advantage today and like appreciate. And it's kind of getting out of that idea that like you live for work, right? Like it is okay to finish at five. If you are able, because uh, I, like, I, like we said, time zones make it really, really difficult. But I mean, it could be nine to five, it could be 11 to seven, like whatever works for you um, with your schedule. Right. And one other thing that I mean, for like for us, it's not so obvious, but um, for parents who do the same type of work that we do, they probably need to work nine to five mm -hmm. because they have other priorities that are more important than than work. And that shouldn't be uh, something like exclusionary. Right. Like it should be fully compatible because having kids is what a lot of people do and it's part of life for a lot of people so it's our schedule should, should be friendly to that as well yeah this you mentioned earlier about the ego side i think that it's very easy to have an ego when you're thinking about i want to be on a beach why don't you let me go and work on a beach i want to have a cocktail in one hand <laughs> and a laptop in the other and do really good work when yeah there are some places when you can do that i think if you definitely did want to do that you're probably need to invest, investigate working for yourself because there's less people that you need to accommodate into your life at that point yeah. from a teammate perspective. I just want to change, shift a little bit and ask a question about working outside of work and what that means and whether you think that being on Twitter is work. Um, I don't want to agree with that but i do like i usually go on twitter from monday to friday and a lot of my scrolling is around like finding out more about work-related things right now specifically while i'm looking for a job i spend more time there between everything's on fire and job opportunities um and i think also uh in like in the way that we work today our public image no matter how small your audience is it's important too 
because you are, in a way, you are representing your employer. And so sharing on a platform can be part of the job. I first started to grow my audience on Twitter um, as part of my job description because the person that I was working for, it was a very small company, but he wanted all of us to have a really large following. I didn't agree, I didn't achieve that, uh, but it started as a job. Yeah. For you? This one's hard because it is kind of my job. <laughs> yes. But it also is an optional part of my job. I don't have to be on there if I, want to do community work in a different way, that's totally fine. I just find it very comfortable to use social media. It's just natural social media, meaning Twitter. But yes, I, I do think it is work. And replying to something at 8 p.m. is working. Replying to something or posting something on a Saturday is definitely working. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily clocked like that by companies. Because... It's optional. However, like you mentioned, if you went to apply for a job, they would definitely look up your social presence to see the kind of things you're talking about. I had an application for a, a designer at a previous job that I was hiring for. And I took one look at their Twitter and they had some homophobic slur on there. And they obviously didn't make the job. Yep. Made the cut. So it has an impact. Should it? <laughs> yes and no should you have to have a social profile no does it help it can yeah um i mean in a way if you were at a bar and then someone would yell something homophobic or anything garbage you would never hire that person probably uh especially if you if you can choose so i think it's just another way of like understanding that sometimes the internet it's like real world and whatever you wouldn't say in public don't say it on twitter either like one of my colleagues had a really good phrase for what slack is like and mm -hmm. i think it applies to social media too and they said if you're posting in a slack channel imagine you're standing on top of a table with a megaphone and asking everybody to listen to you at that moment Social media can be like that too. Mm -hmm. Most people it's not because there's not that many eyeballs on every post. But if you think about it in the context of career opportunities and even if you, like, I know some people who, when they would go on dating apps, they would look up social profiles of people because oh, yeah. they need to know, is this person suitable? Yeah. So there, is, there can be a really negative impact to social uh, profiles there can be a really positive one but to answer the question yes i do think it is considered should be considered as work if you advertise yourself in a way that says this is my name and i work at this company if you're anonymous in that respect then it is definitely a personal thing yeah and then you can use it however you want to use it right yeah and that's a decision that you can you can make unless of course it isn't your job description to be a covert marketer for yeah if you're company. like a social media manager for example like it, it's kind of your job also to like maintain your social media in a specific way yeah absolutely one last question before mm -hmm. we wrap up what would happen if we all worked less 
Um, I have a very strong opinion <laughs> about this. Uh, I think that wonderful things will happen if that happens because I have this feeling in general that we are all in a rush and it's such a rush to like ship and get there and, and, and grow the product and grow the team and like scale hyper growth, all those sort of like buzzwords that we use a lot. And, and this is probably like, a, I don't know if it's just a me thing, but I don't really see the point as much. <laughs> I mean, like, where are we trying to get as a society? Like, we have like bigger fish to fry, like solving climate issues, right? Um, why are we trying to have like such massive like applications and things that are for the most part, not solving like essential problems? Um, so I think if we slow down, we would start seeing like actually positive impact in people's mental health, in the climate crisis, and a lot of like important topics because we would also pay attention to them because we would have more time and energy for them. Yeah, I agree. I, it, it, but this is my dream dreamland scenario mm -hmm. of that slowing down to just protect your brain and your body mm -hmm. working in fast-paced companies is very difficult over extended periods of time however as we mentioned before there's more people applying for jobs than there are jobs and this cycle can continue because ultimately we can be replaced by somebody else who would also do the same thing mm -hmm. and then get replaced so unless there is a dramatic change in what work is or should be from a, almost like a legal perspective or a governmental perspective i can't see this changing but i do live in a dreamland of wouldn't it be lovely if we worked a bit less? or you should move to france or we should move to france <laughs> and work for a french company yes. yeah so our petition i guess will start for everybody moving to france yeah <laughs> i'm sure they will love that all right. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that one and we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Bye.